Today's scripture reading comes from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. This is the reading of God's word. Good afternoon. <clears throat> Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> Somebody earlier was complaining that I don't look so happy on Happy Easter, but that's just how I normally look. But um, it, it, is a, it is a happy moment to be a happy Easter. Friday was Good Friday. That was, that was a moment to be a little bit more somber, but Sunday is supposed to be happy. Uh, Sunday, especially Resurrection Sunday, uh, if you want to be theologically correct, it's not Easter, but Resurrection Sunday, it, it's supposed to be a little bit happier. Uh, thanks to Sammy for reading the scripture today. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not really going to talk so much about, well, I won't get to that part of this sermon, the scripture here. Um, I wanted to talk about that at the end. But um, <clears throat> I think if you think about this, the calendar goes like this. So last Sunday was Palm Sunday, right? Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Then you had Good Friday, the second day, where Jesus dies. And now we have Easter Sunday, which is where uh, Jesus is risen from the dead. Three days, right? Three days, we, we, we remember the whole event. In three days, after Jesus dies, he's resurrected. But there is a theme through all three days, right? There is a, uh, a theme that goes through all three days about who Jesus is. And what is that? It's that Jesus is the king. All three days in different ways. Jesus is the king. Uh, Palm Sunday. Remember Palm Sunday? We talked about this. They were praising God, Hosanna, waving palm trees, worshiping like a king. Let's worship it for a king. Then four days later on the cross, how did they mock Jesus? Jesus, aren't you the king of the Jews? And they had this sign posted over him, king of the Jews. And then Easter Sunday, the king rises from the dead. How do I know this? Because where did he go? According to Luke chapter 22, he ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. He was seated. Where does Jesus sit? On a throne. On a throne because he's the risen king. All three days, but the person and his work is in terms of kingship. Many of you know Jesus as Savior. You know Jesus saved me from my sins. You know he loves me, so on and so forth. You know Jesus as your Savior, but do you know him as your king? Your king. Because you can't understand Jesus. You can't really know him unless you also know him as your king. And I wanted you to see three things about this king, okay? Three things over these course of three days. He's a king on a donkey or a colt. 
He's a king on a cross. And finally, he's a king on a throne. Okay? King on a donkey. We've already seen this. Jesus enters Jerusalem. They worship him like a king. Verse 38, uh, they cry out, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're quoting Psalm 118. It was praise given to the coming king in the line of King David. So in Palm Sunday, they were hoping and waiting for a Davidic king. Someone who would come, take Israel, make that nation great again, turn everything that was wrong into right. That was their hope, right? That was Palm Sunday. He's the coming king. Now, you might have a hard time relating with this, uh, the idea of king, because if you're in the States, we don't, we don't have a king. We, we have a president, right? You don't have a monarchy. You have a democracy or, or a democratic republic. We don't necessarily like kings because in the history of, you know, the world, there have been a lot of messed up kings in the past. Oftentimes, kings in the past were very oppressive. They were, they were tyrannical. Sometimes they didn't even do anything right. They did more wrong. They abused power and authority. Did you know in the United States, we live in a state where we are more skeptical and, and more doubting of anyone in power and authority. And so we today, we don't relate with kings because we don't feel like we need kings. We don't like kings necessarily. We don't need someone dictating to us how to live, how to be. Uh, we live in a culture of liberty where everybody gets to decide what they want to do and how they want to be. We don't need a king over us. We are our own kings. We rule ourselves, right? But I want you to think about this, okay? Even though you may not relate with the ideas of having a king in your life, the reality is, no matter how much you think you're the ruler of your own life, you'll never master it. You'll never master it. Do you know why? People, myself included, we, we all live for something. It's, I think, how we are built. We need to live for something, or it's just not worth living. Something that, that gives my life purpose. Something that gives my life significance. Something that gives me a life joy or meaning. For many of you, it's your families. For others of you, it's your relationships. For some of us, maybe it's your career. Maybe you live for money. Maybe you live for the next vacation. Maybe you live for food and wine. Whatever it is, the point is you want to live for something. You look forward to something, something that makes your life worth living. And what you live for is what you really love. And what you love is what you really live for. Right? Parents, if you have children, um, you know, loving your children and, and taking care of them is, is a responsibility. But if you live for your kids, you're only going to be as happy as your kids are. You don't control that. You can't control everything about that. Maybe sometimes, but not all the time. You're not the master of everything that happens in those things. In fact, they master you. Right? You know what the Bible says? If you don't have a king in your life, you'll make one. Whatever it is, whatever it is, you're going to find it, you're going to crown it, you're going to worship it, and you're going to serve it. You can't help it. Why? Because that's just the way we are made. You are made to live for something. 
And you may not relate with the idea of a king, but you were made for a king. And look at this king then who comes into Jerusalem. Remember this? People wanted a king, but it wasn't the one they expected. James comes riding in on a young donkey, a, a colt, and oftentimes, or not James, but Jesus, and oftentimes when kings come in on an animal, it's three possible animals, a horse, a mule, or a donkey. Now, the donkey or the colt is basically like the U-Haul truck of the day, okay? A donkey isn't the most kingly animal. How would it look if the president of the United States, instead of riding in on a Rolls Royce or a Cadillac or a Mercedes or whatever, comes in on a U-Haul truck? It's not very cool. Even in the Lord of the Rings, when Gandalf comes in, how does he ride? What does he ride? A big white horse. Because that's what kings rode. They don't ride donkeys. It's humiliating, in fact. It's humbling. Someone should have noticed this, that he's different from other kings. He doesn't look like other kings. And so we know from the first day here in Palm Sunday, Jesus isn't your typical king. He just doesn't look like the oppressive type. He's not the tyrannical type, but he's still a king, and yet he's a humble one. He's different from other human kings. Here's the reason. When Jesus comes in, right, into Jerusalem on that day, on Palm Sunday, it was Passover. Hundreds of Jews would have been coming in from around the world to observe Passover with their families. Do you know how they did this? All these families went to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice. And according to Exodus chapter 12, the law required that each family select a lamb four days before the sacrifice to be offered at the temple. And during that time, during those four days, that lamb would be examined by the priest to make sure it was unblemished, defect-free, and therefore acceptable as a sacrifice. Do you get this? Do you see why Jesus comes in on a donkey and why that's so different? When did Jesus get crucified after Palm Sunday? Four days later. And during those days, what happened to him? He was examined, he was tested, he was put to trial, right? And then crucified four days later, just like the lambs that were being sacrificed. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, that donkey wasn't just carrying a king. It was also carrying the lamb, the lamb of God. And that's why John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Isn't this what Hebrews meant when he said Jesus is what? The perfect sacrifice. The king on a donkey doesn't come in like a tyrant to master his people. He comes, he comes in to give his life to people. To be a sacrifice, he comes to die. That's a humble king who is like a lamb. Okay. The second day, though, is at the cross. And we saw a little bit of this last Friday, okay? You could trust this lamb. You could trust this humble king, can't you? I mean, if you had a king like this, isn't this a king that you could really serve? And not just serve, but really love? Because four days later, this king on a donkey becomes king on a cross. Only criminals die on a cross. Kings don't die on a cross. Only the worst of society die on a cross, right? 
And yet there he was, four days later, hanging on a cross, sign over his head, king of the Jews. They came up to him saying, hail, king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Luke chapter 23, they would say, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Verse 38, he says, there are also an inscription, this is the king of the Jews. Kings, as we know it, have power and authority. And yet, here's Jesus on the cross, and this king doesn't look very powerful. No power, no authority. Not the kind that everyone expects from a king. Kings brought judgment. And yet, this king on the cross came to bear judgment. Kings were supposed to be strong for their people. But this king on the cross, he becomes weak for his people. And he dies for you. No other king in your life will do this, whether literal or metaphorical, okay? Whatever it is that you're living for, whatever it is that you're serving, whatever it is that functionally really rules over you will not die for you. It won't be forgiving. In fact, they will punish you. You live for your career, you fail your career. Guess what's going to happen? Career is not going to forgive you and say, it's okay. They're going to crush you. You failed. It's done. You live for money. You lose money. How do you feel? You're down. You're never going to recuperate that. They're not going to come back and give you extra money. It's gone. It's going to punish you. You live for your kids, but you feel like you're messing up as a parent. You're going to beat yourself up emotionally, mentally, physically. You're going to be so unforgiving because you feel like you should have done better. If you fail at whatever you live for, you're going to feel crushed and destroyed. And if you feel this, it's because that's your king. But here's Jesus, the king on the donkey, who's also the king on the cross. He's the only king that dies, forgives, frees, so that you could still be a Christian and still mess up. You know, one of the things I learned over my three-month, um, I guess, you know, sabbatical was this. It's so easy to be messed up. <laughs> it is so easy, all right? If you remove yourself from church, if you remove yourself from Christians, if you remove yourself from the Bible and anyone telling you about Jesus and you lived on your own, I think it was so easy to be messed up. And you kind of wonder, am I really a Christian? And the news here is this. You've got Jesus on the cross. Jesus, I already know this. but I'm forgiving, I'm gracious, and I die for you. Nothing's going to change that. It's not going to change a thing about how much God loves you and sees you and regards you. Nothing will change that. Now on the third day, and this is why we're here today, there's the empty tomb. Jesus is now resurrected. I've done this sermon before, and I talked about why we should believe in the resurrection, some proofs and verifications, but I'm not going to do that here, just to know that the Bible really believes that the king rose from the dead. He's not dead. He's alive. And now this king lives for you, and it says that he's now on your side. In fact, the author of Hebrews says he's now praying for you right there at the right hand of the Father. And even in our passage today that we've just read, to the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit where? With me on my throne. He is now seated on a throne. That means everything literally is at his feet. He's still the king. 
He's the humble king. He's the lamb, but now he reigns over all things. And what's he doing there? What's he doing there according to the passage just read? He's there, and he says, I am making all things new for the good of those who love him. He's got power. He's got authority now to make sure and guarantee his plans for you and get it done. Right? Verse Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall be there mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making everything new. That's what Easter was supposed to be about. That's why it's during springtime, right? Winter, everything dies. Spring, everything comes back to life. That's why we do the whole rabbit and the eggs, even though rabbits don't lay eggs, right? Chickens lay the eggs, but the egg is a new birth. It's a new birth. It's, It's something new that's coming out. It's to remember, ultimately it should remember, that Jesus Christ is the resurrected king. And he's making everything new. Now, here's the takeaway from this. I mean, here's, here's what you should be taking away, okay? I know all of us here know it's in our head. But did you know, believing and understanding that Jesus rose from the dead, that he's not in the tomb anymore, is meant to be hopeful. Look, three days. Suffering, first day. Death, second day. Resurrection, new life. When we think about our lives, or when people normally think about their lives, hardship, and then die. (laughs) If we want to be cynical. We don't think about the third point, resurrection. We think about hardship, moments of joy in between hardship, and then we die, and that's it. That's it. But Jesus is saying here, no, go one step further. The third day, new life. Old becomes new. Death now becomes life. Loss, which we experience, becomes gain. You and I, here's what we want. We want to skip the suffering and the death. We want to get straight to the third day. We want victory now. But we just don't want to go through suffering and death. But as I said last Friday, I tried to say, each and every one of us follows the same path. Hardship with moments of joy, then death. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. We can't avoid it. Um, you know when kids, oh, this is me, but <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all... We're on a slide, a big slide, and all my friends are there, but it's a big slide, and I'm scared. I was a very scared kid when I was little, especially of heights. I'm still afraid of heights. That's why I don't ride roller coasters. Uh, I don't like it. And uh, we're standing in line to go down the slide, and I'm the first to go, but I'm scared. I'm not going to go down. So what do I say? I look behind me to the next guy, and I say, hey, you go first. We'll all go, but you go first. And of course, they would go, and then I'll be the last person I'd follow behind. You see, all of us go through suffering, first day, death, second day. But we're not sure about the third. What we're shown here, Jesus is the guy who says, 
if we say to him, you go first. He goes first. Three days, he goes first. I'll suffer. I'll die. But guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be resurrected. I went first. Guess what? You follow me. It guarantees. You know, it's amazing how, how hopeful this can be. Even for the most cynical. Um, there's a book I've been reading called Hope in Times of Fear. It's a new book by a uh, popular pastor, Tim Keller in the city from Redeemer. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. Uh, Tim Keller wrote this book. Um, 25% into it, he got diagnosed with fourth stage pancreatic cancer. Fourth stage pancreatic cancer. So if you don't know this, he's on his way. In fact, you know, he sends out emails, I'm on the list, and they're asking for prayer because this month he's in D.C. and he's going to get chemo for a month. But, I mean, fourth stage, pancreatic cancer. He's writing this book, 25%, and he gets diagnosed. It says, he says in an interview, it completely changed how he wrote the book. And this is coming from a famous big-time pastor, right? And this is what he says in an interview when he found out he was being diagnosed with cancer. He says this, quote, It took several months in which I had to take my abstract belief down into my heart to existentially and experientially know it and grow in assurance. And it worked. If you are willing to embrace the truth of God's word, immerse yourself in it, day in and day out, and then ask the Holy Spirit to make it real in your heart, he will. He's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about the resurrection. And even this big pastor, this famous pastor, confessed. When he got diagnosed, he realized, I only half believe. I only half believed in the resurrection. And so he had to work on himself to prepare himself by taking what he already knew in his head and making it more real for him. And this is what happened when he said that. He said, this is what happened. He says, the things of earth become less crucial. They're not so important to you. You realize that you don't need them to be happy. Once I believe that I start to enjoy them more, I don't try and turn things into God. I don't try to turn things into heaven. Those things are the only things that can really satisfy my heart. Okay? Resurrection, he says, without that truth, he would not continue to live whatever time he has left. Now, what does this have to do with you? You and I, God forbid, we don't have to experience such hardship, right? But we all experience a little bit of death all the time. And this is what Tim Keller does for this interview for people like us. He says this, quote, It's possible to practice this in smaller deaths that we all experience, Death is loss, and sometimes we lose. We lose careers. We lose friends. We lose a relationship. Those are little deaths, he's saying. And this is what he says. Keller says, in those painful situations, you have to do essentially the same thing that you have to do when you're told you're going to die. 
You have to take something abstract that you believe about God and make it real in your heart so he becomes your consolation. You're no longer looking to the things of this world to be your salvation, end quote. Resurrection hope. Three days, suffering death, risen. I go first. You're going to follow. Here's my promise. This is what's going to happen. And you believe this, and it becomes your hope. No matter what happens in this world. Jesus is not a tyrant like the kings of human past. He's worthy to be listened to. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of your allegiance and your faith. And he's worthy because he gives you hope. Let me just leave you with three practical things that I think we need to do along the way as we persevere in our faith. Just three things, right? Nothing, nothing really insightful. Three basic things that we could do. Number one, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in the resurrection, keep trusting in him. Things, people will always let you down. Relationships will let you down. Your, house, your spouse, your, your husband, your wife, your children, one day eventually will hurt you. They will let you down. But this is the king you really need. This is the one you really need to live for. Trust in him. Why? He's gentle. He's humble. But he's a king. And he's also the lamb. And he's your shepherd. And that's why he says in Matthew, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's worthy of your trust. Second thing, not only keep trusting him, if you believe in the resurrection, keep worshiping him. Not just believe, worship. And I know those of you who go to church say, yeah, I do that. But, but do we really? I mean, even in the church, because this is a king you don't just serve and go through a routine. This is a king that you worship. Why? Because you love. You love what you worship. You worship what you love. How do you worship things you love? You dream about it. You get excited about it. When you love something or someone, you think about it all the time. Even when you're alone, not just your mind, but your heart gets involved. Think about it. Why do we sing songs in church? I don't like singing. I'll be very honest. But why is there singing in the church? Why not just read the lyrics out loud in one voice? By the way, some of you, that's all you do. Uh, Why do we have music? Because music moves you. Because when you worship the risen king, you worship what you love, and that's a response that requires more than just my brain. It requires my heart. It requires my body. It's not just intellectual assent. It's emotionally felt and expressed. You want the risen Lord in your life. You want to think about him. You want to love him. You want to worship him. Because he's worthy not only of your trust, he's worthy of your love and devotion. He's worthy of your worship. Last thing, trust, worship, last thing, obey. 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 This is the hard part. Obey. You're supposed to obey a king. And if he's your king, you obey. And he he says there, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Obey. 
If Jesus is risen, seated on the throne, reigning over everything, then you obey. You do what he says. And sometimes you don't always get why he says what he says. But you obey. Why? Because if he's your king, whether you get it or not, you trust he's worthy of your obedience. If you only obey on things that you agree with, that's not agreement. That's not obedience. If you only do the things that you think that should be done, that's not, that's not obedience. That's agreement. He says, obey. You can do all these things because when you know this kind of king, the king on a donkey, the king who's on a cross, and now the king on the throne of God, when you know this king who died for you, raised for you, reigns for you, and now loves you as you are like the apple of his eye, you have every good reason to trust, to worship, to obey, and to live with hope. That's Easter. Happy Easter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for Easter Sunday. We thank you for the things that my guess is many of us already do know in our heads but oftentimes fail to process practically or realistically. Um, we pray that you'd increase our faith. Pray that you would hope to really just bring us closer to you. Help us to find not only our salvation, our faith, but also, Lord, help us to find hope in the midst of what's very difficult and hard for many of us. You and only you know what each and every one here has been going through. Some of us have marriage problems. Some of us have parenting problems. Some of us have work problems. Some of us church problems. Some of us just personal issues are constantly, constantly coming and bombarding us. We feel like we're dying. But what you're telling us is not only that's not the end, but it's just the beginning of something new. You're telling us you know what it feels like because you went ahead of us and you experienced everything for us but you earn something of a promise for us as well. We pray, Lord, not only do we remember that Jesus died for us, we pray, Lord, we would also remember you are alive for us. And so we turn to you to increase our faith and trust in you as we take our next step in life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.